Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 21 years of living experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Beck-Young. Welcome to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. Today I'm speaking with Patty Casper. Patricia Casper, MA, MTH, trainer and neurobehavioral coach, is committed to improving children's lives by providing practical tools to parents and professionals who care for children with brain-based differences, whose behaviors are reflective of either brain changes that resulted from exposure to prenatal toxins and or from trauma or reflective of poor fit between their cognitive abilities and the world's expectations of them. Patty has worked in the fields of mental health and child welfare for over 30 years, and she has worked with hundreds of foster and adoptive families. She has led workshops in the areas of adoption, trauma and resiliency, attachment, and neurobehavior for several years. Patty's other work as a hospice chaplain has fueled her fire for helping others to live life well and end the cycle of intergenerational trauma. Patty recently completed her year-long training to become a facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model. You can reach Patty at patriciacasper.com. And now today's episode of FASD Hope. Welcome to today's episode of FASD Hope. I am pumped to be speaking with my friend and today's guest. So a little backstory about she and I. We met last year online. Um, She's in California. I'm here on the East Coast in North Carolina. We met online and just instantly connected. We have a faith Mm -hmm. connection. We have the FASD connection. We just connected. And I actually recorded an episode with her back in, I believe it was like October. It was, it was fall of last year. I think year. it was the end of September. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I was going to release it in November. And then wow. what I affectionately call the dramatical, the sabbatical slash dramatic exit <laughs> that I had. So that's a new word. Hashtag dramatical. Dramatical. It's dramatical. Mm-hmm where I did not know what was going to happen with our son. And basically, you know, just uh, dumpster fire, hashtag dumpster, dumpster fire was me. So Pat, Patty was so gracious. And I was like, Patty, I just, I have to stop everything. And your wonderful episode is just going to sit in my computer. And I'm so sorry. And can I tell you that Patty Casper, not only is an educator, a trainer, um, a facilitator, a, a consultant, but she is this wonderful, kind, and gracious human being who you checked on me pretty much weekly, Patty, during that time, during my dramatical until, you know, I, I told you that, okay, God, God's put it in my heart to to return to podcasting. The, the fire is under control. And I told We're so her, glad you're back. <laughs> uh, and I'm so happy to be back. So Patty, since then, I'm I'm very happy that we didn't release that episode, even though I wanted to, because we were talking about this before I hit record. 
Patty has done so much in the past six months and in the past year, especially that we're airing this episode in September, which is FASD Awareness Month, because Patty is she she if you want the real deal in FASD, you need to talk to Patty. She gets it. She knows it. She knows it professionally. She knows it personally. She knows it as an educator. And Patty has since, since we spoke and, you know, since we recorded our conversation back in, uh, back in the fall, she, her business is up and going. She is training. She is consulting. She has been um, trained in the facets neurobehavioral model. She is a wonderful podcaster who is a natural living with FASD. (laughs) Highly recommend you go find it on Spotify. And she's making the big plunge into video podcasting, which I am so thrilled because we need to be in that space. Starting starting July 31st. Yep. So as this episode airs, there will be episodes on YouTube from Patty's living with FASD podcast. And, and one of the biggest things that I have the honor of, and I've, I've been in Patty's pre-launch team is her wonderful new book, which as we air will be released. Correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's hard to talk about like the future tense when you're making an introduction. When you've already read it. (laughs) That's right. That's right which I have had the honor of reading. Yeah. And I I can't tell you how engaging this book is. Patty takes conversations. First of all, she shares her story. She mm-hmm. takes conversations she's had with adults living with FASD and mm-hmm. then just combines it with teaching and combines it with personal, you know, history. And it this is an amazing book. So it's called Sip by Sip. And Patty's going to talk about it in a little bit, but I need to finish this introduction because, you know, you're you're probably uh, moving on to the next episode by now. But um, I am thrilled. Patty is a force of nature. I am so thrilled and so thankful to be speaking with today. Patricia, a.k.a. Patty Casper of PatriciaCasper.com, author living with FASD podcast. She wears many hats and she wears them very well. So my dear friend who kept tabs on me during my dramatical and, and, and then, and then some Patty Casper, welcome back to FASD Hope. It is a pleasure. It is absolutely a pleasure. And, and I want to just correct things a little bit. It was not this past year that I got my certification right. as a facilitator. It was 2022. Right? That's right. In so, 2022. Um, yeah, I graduated in 20, in January, 2022. That's right. um, and it was, and that's like a two-year process, right? Because you have to go through all 18 hours first as just a regular attendee and then do it all over again as a trainee, right? Um. And so it was during that process, the first cycle through, that I had um, recognized myself as being on the spectrum. And there's an exercise that they have you do early in the process 
um, the aim of which is to normalize neurodiversity, right? All brains are different. You know, it's our combination of unique challenges, unique strengths, learning style preferences. None of us share that particular combination of anything with anybody else. It's as unique to us as our fingerprint. So neurodiversity really needs to become the norm, right? And um, <clears throat> bits and pieces, well, and let me back up. It was the homework after having done that group exercise is to turn around and do the exercise with your family members and then practice having discussions about it. Practice having discussions about how normal it is that we're all unique, right? And um, my husband happened to be passing through as I'm having this conversation with my mom who's a captive audience because I'm her full-time caregiver. <laughs> and that's another hat you wear is your yeah. caregiver. So you truly yeah. are like and a hospice chaplain and a social worker for the foster care agency. This... Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So um, he very sarcastically, you know, very flippantly said, Oh, so that's what's wrong with you. And it was like, huh? What? <laughs> my eyebrow literally shut up and touched and touched my hairline, right? And so I my head swiveled to my mom like I was, you know, some mechanical thing. And I said, Mom, did you drink while you carried me? And she's like, Oh yeah, every day. Because it was the 60s. They didn't know any better mm -hmm. back then, right? They mm -hmm. they were told a glass of red wine is good for the baby. Mm -hmm. So um that really started my journey and I was still several pieces of that were continuing, even though it was a few years later, several pieces were continuing to fall back or fall into place for me literally while I was recording with you last fall. Right. And when I recorded with um, Robbie, a year ago, mm -hmm. pieces yeah. were still falling into place and, and they, they will continue to fall into place for people along this journey because there's just too much for anyone to handle all of it all at once. You know, we get the revelations that we're ready for as we can use them. And, um, it was probably late. I don't know. October, late November, when FASD Now, which is an organization out here in California, had a summit. Um, it was, I think it was part live and part virtual, but I ended up in a breakout room with the Dr. Kenneth Lyon-Jones and Justin, I can't think of Justin's Shepherd. last name. Justin Shepard. Shattering mom yes. here twice. Yes. yes. So he and I talked a lot about discovering as adults that we're on the spectrum. And um, and I had told him I'm still trying to figure out this whole disclosure bit because it feels like coming out. <laughs> you know, it's that same terrifying, do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I? 
you know, personally is one thing, but being a professional in the field, oh, do I do that? How will people react? How will I be judged? Will I ever get another client? The whole nine yards, right? And he said, Patty, the only way past the stigma is straight through it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That hit me bullseye. Mic drop, mic mm-hmm. drop moment, right? Mm-hmm. But in my wildest dreams, I never imagined that I would write a book, mm-hmm. that I would start a podcast. <laughs> and both of those things make sense for me. I've always liked to write and I've always enjoyed being on talk radio, right? And let's and you've also, it. you have this wonderful history of teaching and educating yeah. everything. So you're, you're comfortable yeah. with speaking yeah. in public. Yeah. Well, I didn't used to be, you know, that, that was part of my journey in terms of wrapping my head around invisible disabilities, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, which I was introduced to back in 2011 is when I realized that for me, excuse me, my type one diabetes had never been a disability for me until I I awoke one morning and checked my blood sugar and it was 32, which is not life sustainable. Goodness. Wow. Um, And I woke my husband up because we were camping and in, in an RV. So really, let's be honest, it was glamping. Glamping. <laughs> I was in a sleep number bed with a down comforter, y'all. But <laughs> an RV. Ooh, yeah. that's a camping. That's a glamping I want to do. And I cook more in the RV than I do at the house. So, <laughs> but I realized as I sent him the 15 feet to the refrigerator to get me juice, that my sugar had tanked that significantly with no symptoms no symptoms more in the previous six months than in the previous 40 years combined that's when it became a disability for me when i realized my brain is no longer detecting dangerous sugar levels and directing me to experience sensations that will clue me in Danger, Will Robinson. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Need sugar. And that, that's what, you know, I need more tools in my toolkit. And I already had as much technology as money could buy at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but service dogs for diabetes, yes. you know, at the time they were $20,000. Yeah, exactly. And they, depending on the company, they can be even more than that. So... I don't have that kind of discretionary money. (laughs) So hence my ability to step up to the plate and talk to people, which is not something I was accustomed to doing. Even, Even as a servant of the Lord, I had felt called to get a master's degree in theology and social work to do a double major. And when I read that I would have to do a field practicum, just like you do with social work or psychology, <clears throat> but, you know, get behind a pulpit. <laughs> I was like, oh no, God, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> Not doing that. 
<laughs> and I, <laughs> and I know he was just up there looking down with his chin in his hand, shaking his head and said, yeah, that's what you think. I, I shared you tell God what you want and he gives you what you need. Yeah. So he kind of warmed me up into that by getting me into like music ministry and starting with choirs and whatnot, kind of leading me along the path. But then when I had to raise $20,000, game on, you know, but my life was on the line. So challenge accepted. Mm-hmm. And part of that journey was getting onto talk radio and Christian radio and talking about invisible disabilities and how dogs are helpful with that. And I'm so excited because they're helpful with FASD too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, um, so talk radio and podcasting, they feel a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And I always had so much fun when I was doing radio. So much fun. And that's and, why you're such a natural yeah. in living with FASD. Yeah. Re- yeah. I had the honor of being a guest and I, yeah. I, I can't. So, you know, fun fact, and I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at all of the podcasts I've guested on. It's just, it's me. <laughs> I'm more comfortable asking the questions, but yeah. In our conversation, Patty, in our candid conversation, I was so at ease. You are such Good. a natural and having oh. you have that gift. And I know that, um, you know, I, I've joked around with Carl Young about this because he and I both consider ourselves to be introverts. However, again, you know, you're like, oh, I can't do that. God, you you got the yeah. wrong girl. Yeah. And- Nope, you're gonna you're gonna talk to people all around the world about about this and and yeah. and about something, you know. You always think how the Lord is going to use you, and it's going to be a strength. It's going to be something that you've just been training all your life oh, for, you know. No. And no, it's I've no. found it's like the thing that breaks you, the thing that's yeah. the most that yeah. you need. You rely on him the most. And for us, it was our, our son's FASD journey yeah. that changed my world and yeah. listening to your service, your ministry, your calling. Mm-hmm. It sounds like just everything you've been through in your life came to that pinnacle, that, that moment yeah. where it's like, Oh, this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. Did, did yeah. you feel that? Well, kind of. <laughs> I've always, um, you know, my I'm, I'm the only believer in my family. Everyone else, science is their God. If you cannot quantify it, pick it up, measure it, manipulate it, right? Very concrete thinkers. And <laughs> if you can't, science is their God. And it does not exist if you can't prove it, right? And so I'm, where was I going with that? My thought just derailed. No, I was um, talking about when you realized that yes, you meant so, you were meant to do what you're doing now. Yeah. You know, I never knew I was different, quote unquote, until I went to school. You know, I, I was diagnosed on my second birthday and I, it never dawned on me, gee, neither one of my brothers get shots every day. You know, it was in school when I realized, oh, no one else does this. And I came home and said, why me? 
And my mom, bless her heart, for being a non-believer, said the most perfect thing. She said, because God knew you could handle it when none of your friends could. And so ever since then, I have embraced every challenge or adversity that I've been in and milked it until I could find the blessing, until I could find the the strengths and find a miracle in it. And that's where I think you've grown into what you're doing now, yeah. because you have yeah. taken when we talked in November, you were just starting your, your website. You were just starting your yeah. business. You, you know, uh, I don't even think podcast was on the table at that point. I think you, it you were, you were really focusing on your business and everything. Yeah. And now <laughs> my goodness, you have this yeah. wonderful podcast. You have this book that we're going to talk about and yeah. you share that story in your book. You know, you yeah. share your story yeah. and you Again, just by sharing yourself, just by sharing Patty, you are helping so many other people, especially those on the spectrum. We know that number is one in 20. So we know that if you're an adult and you have a neurodiversity and it's just never fit any kind of thing. Yeah. And you realize because well, or any you know, kind of diagnosis, right? Yes, it it yes. might be accurate, but it may not be a complete, complete diagnosis. Yes. Our friend Joel Shagrin, the box, right? Joel Shagrin stated that, yes, you, yeah. you have a diagnosis, like for many individuals with an FASD, they receive an, a diagnosis of either ADHD mm-hmm or learning dis- disability, or yeah. perhaps autism. Or ODD, or, or bipolar, any exactly. number of things. Mm-hmm. And that is part of the diagnosis, because we know the overlap yeah. between FASD and all those diagnoses. Yeah. But like Joel told me two years ago, that's not the complete diagnosis. Yeah. And FASD it could be a misdiagnosis, but it could be it's this and that. Yes. Thank right? you. Thank yeah. you. When you realized FASD was the complete diagnosis, tell me about that moment. Oh, um, I liken it to, well, me and my mom, we've been playing a particular card game for, oh gosh, I, I will be 60 in September. So we've been playing it for probably 55 years. It's a form, it's a form of um, double solitaire. She's been playing it since she was a little girl. <clears throat> and supposedly, um, when he, one of the big card companies has lauded the particular game as saying it is the best two-person game there ever was. Because every game is different. Every single game is different. <clears throat> and it's how I keep tabs of her cognitive functioning because she has dementia and you know, it's a really good test of long-term memory. Mm-hmm. Some days she does really good. Other days she can't remember the rules for a game. She's been playing for 80 years. That's pretty significant. Those are the days I'm in a little bit of a freak out mode, <laughs> but um, so having always been a card player, I liken the experience of getting my diagnosis, well, getting getting myself identifying because I have not 
done the the journey of getting an official diagnosis. Um, I have so many things on my plate right now. And having studied all this with the neurobehavioral model, knowing all my my yeah. quirks are explained by this and then getting my Having mom's the confirmation. confirmation. Yeah, the, conf- the confirmation. <clears throat> Maybe someday I will do that. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's going to take a backseat to being able to move across country back to the East Coast once my husband retires, mm-hmm. you know, having the money to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a bit escaping California is, is a priority. <clears throat> It's beautiful here, but I don't like the taxes. So <laughs> I would love of, to have you on the East Coast. Oh my goodness. I, I want to go back to Tennessee. That's where I was living before I came here. So right I love door. I'm a mountain girl. I love being in the mountains, but I want to be in mountains that don't catch on fire every year. They have beautiful mountains here that catch on fire every year. <laughs> my goodness. Oh my goodness. So we, we have, here's another joke. We have four seasons here, warm, hot fire and fog. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Anyway, I, but thinking about that, thinking about that realization, right? Yeah. Yeah. Someone took my deck of life. They took the cards and reshuffled them and gave them back in a way that makes sense. Wow. That is a wonderful, wonderful description. That's the analogy I use. So, I mean, those of us growing up neurodivergent without knowing that we're neurodivergent, we feel like something's wrong with us. We don't understand why we could, you know, like in my case, if you go by IQ, which is kind of stupid, it's high. It's really high. <clears throat> I've got three graduate degrees. I, you know, I, I'm not up there with Jared Brown yet, but I'd like to be. <laughs> Shout out to Jared. But we love there, you. <laughs> right. But there are things that I really struggle with. Or challenge. Exactly. And right? we know that that's leave a my husband scratching his head like, yeah. what the heck? We know that's a hallmark, the executive functioning, yeah. the adaptive skills, yeah. the short term into the memory so, issues, the so, process. Yeah. We know yeah. that those are the primary characteristics, yeah. not the, the IQ. The memory issues is why I never finished nursing school. Exactly. Right. In truth, I know I didn't. <laughs> memory kept me from passing nursing school because I was not meant to be a nurse. I will always use that knowledge because I did go halfway through <laughs> to to inform me and it will always be a passionate interest, but it wasn't my jam, right? So, but you know, looking back, there are so many things that I recognize now. You know, like when I was talking with Robbie, um, she's like, so tell me where, tell me where your journey began. And for some bizarre reason, I started with, I started college at the age of 16 and kept changing my mind, which on my major, which meant changing schools (laughs) because I would go to the right school for whatever it was that I thought I wanted to do. And um, my poor dad was paying for all that. I have a very well-rounded education. 
let me let me interrupt for a second. You're using all those aspects. You're nursing everything that you you're using a lot of that in yeah. your approach now to I I haven't found nuclear medicine. To, yeah, I haven't found <laughs> nuclear medicine technology to be that helpful. <laughs> I'm sure there's a use for that somewhere. <laughs> or, or fashion design, right? That was, you know, back when I was 16 and thought I would do that as a bit of a girly girl. So most, most of, most <laughs> of me. <laughs> I'll say a majority of the education. No, no knowledge is wasted. There, I love that. Right? Exactly. No knowledge is wasted unless you literally put it down and don't do anything with it again. On the flip side of that is... If with a language, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right, right, right. So I know enough Spanish, for instance, to know when my translators aren't telling me everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most of my agency's clients are Spanish speaking. So, um, you know, that can be problematic. So but, this is a good segue. This is a good yeah. segue. Bef- before we dive into your business and your yeah. book. Let's talk about you have this amazing professional experience mm-hmm. of being in the foster care and adoptive communities as a social worker, as you know, an educator. Yeah. Thinking now about what you learned in both facets and the revelations that you've had mm-hmm. since since you finished that. When we talked about this in our first interview, mm-hmm. what is one thing if you could go back? We're just going to say one because our first interview, which is still in my hard drive somewhere, uh, was five. And that was a fun interview because we kept going down rabbit holes, you well, know. Yeah. And and it was going to be released in November. Yep, in November for, for National adoption. Yes. adoption Month. So feel yes. free to use it this November. Yes. <laughs> yes. I may. I You know what? I may do a little remix there. Yeah. But think it. Okay. So and we're airing this in September, which is yeah. FASD Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. What is one thing you learned about? FASD, either through your fastest training and or your revelation of your personal experience Mm -hmm. that you could go back and tell not only the parents and the foster parents, but just the whole community of adoption and foster care that you worked in for 30 years. What's one thing that you want them to know? I'm sorry. I didn't know this sooner. (laughs) And that's what we say as parents to our children. I'm sorry. I I didn't know this sooner. And, you know, and that really was our, our guiding theme in the last recording was, you know, what are, what are five things that I wish I knew when I first became an adoption social worker? Yes. Um, See, you remembered, you remembered that I, I couldn't remember all of that. And it just came to me. So I, I would say, you know, and yeah, I, I wish I had known more at the time. Um, but I'll go back to one of the things that keeps it's a mantra at facets. None of us knew what we didn't know until we learned it. Exactly. Right. Um, I think back, you know, I, I have such gratitude and, um, just a wealth of different feelings toward my mom as I think back as she was raising me, you know, I like having type one diabetes. She raised me in an era with no technology. We tested urine 
and found out what our blood sugar would have been, the equivalent of what our blood sugar would have been 10 hours before, Mm. right? Not real helpful. (laughs) There was no home blood testing until I went to college. So she did it on her own without support. And she kept me alive. I still have my kidneys. I still have both Mm -hmm. legs. Mm -hmm. Right. I still, um, I used to think kidney failure was like the worst complication. I've since changed my mind. I would say it's gastroparesis Mm -hmm. because how do you accurately dose your insulin if you have no idea how long it's going to take for your food to digest? That one to me is pretty freaking scary. Um, And then thinking back to how FASD affected me. And no wonder she was so freaked out by my lack of judgment when I was a teen and young adult. Mm -hmm. Those transitional years are so hard for any parent neurotypical or neurodivergent doesn't matter it's just a scary time for parents (laughs) as their children stretch their wings and attempt to fly Um, but I started college when I was 16 as a yuppie version of running away from home I ran away to the dorms because you know I couldn't stand my stepfather (laughs) just I spent five years in this in in our sewing room making clothes just to avoid him. And I thought, this is crazy. So I started, you know, because I am smart, I was able to to start college early. Um, Academically, I was ready. Socially, not so much. And it wasn't that I was immature. But that I lacked the awareness Right. There's that social miscue. I couldn't perceive other people's true intent. That's that gap of chronological age and developmental age, which Mm -hmm. we talk about all the time on here. And we tell that it's not that you choose not to do it. It's your brain actually just doesn't make that connection between very trusting circumstance. Exactly. Very, very trusting. Yeah. Like. I grew up, you know, I, I was a teenager in the late seventies and, you know, early eighties. If you remember the music back then, Mm -hmm. it was very danceable. And as a 17 year old, I would take the bus and go into very dangerous areas to go to the nightclubs I didn't even bother trying to get a fake ID. I showed my real ID that clearly showed I was underage. But the the response seemed to be, if she's brave enough to come in here, (laughs) we'll let her in. Mm -hmm. And I danced until two o'clock in the morning. And then I'd take the bus back to campus. Was that a smart thing to do? Oh, hex no. (laughs) Would my, what would my mom do if she ever knew? I shudder to think. probably give her a heart attack but I just I had you know I had no perception of the danger yeah I know I had had no clue I was because my intentions were pure I'm just going to have a good time I'm gonna drink and that's one not drink I'm gonna I'm gonna dance 
Oh my goodness. I was, I was imagining, you know, as I was saying that I could see the environment. Yeah. I could see the inside of the club. I could see the guys like, let me dance with you. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. bring me a drink. We can dance. Mm -hmm. I never left the dance floor at all. And, and the look on the girl's face is like, go back to where you came from. And, and, that's a big reason why you and I and so many others, why we encourage to get that training, get that yes. education, because yeah. when you understand that, again, it's it's a brain thing, like, you yeah. know, our, Nate yeah. Sheets would say it's a brain thing when you yeah. understand and when you understand that if you're in a situation that is potentially dangerous and you have mm-hmm. what he explains is that cognitive drop, you know, that mm-hmm. drop in skills because you don't have that brain capacity to make that, that judgment call. Yeah. Then as, you know, as, as your siblings, as parents, as teachers, as anyone that's, that's supporting that individual, it's important to know that and important to say, okay, what are we going to do to 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 give you yeah. the best protective factors as possible? And I think yeah. that's one of, and, and having this heart to heart, Patty, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I had to make that dramatical because our son wanted to leave and mm-hmm. left. And I did not, I, I, I it, it, like you said, those transition years, those yeah. teen years in young adolescence, I was like, what, what do I, I, how do I protect him? He's, 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 you know, and thank the Lord he came back and we started from the bottom on up in building his interdependent lifestyle. He's no longer on, you know, in our home, but we, he is close enough that we can provide that interdependence. And you talk about that in your book, you talk Mm -hmm. about interdependence. And so do many of the people you've interviewed, because Mm -hmm. that is key too. We, we need to recognize that just like there should not be shame or stigma in an FASD diagnosis, there is, should not be shame or stigma in saying, I need this person for something, or I Mm -hmm. need this service for something, or I need Mm -hmm. this medication for something. Interdependence is part of everybody's life. When you realize that you need it more, then you get more when you realize that you need it less. Would you agree? Because I know we've had this conversation about interdependence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really no man is an island, you know, I mean, that's, that's been a classic phrase for centuries for good reason, even just as a person of faith, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, but people leave off the rest of it with his help. Yes. (laughs) We're not meant to be all things to all people. We're not meant to take care of everything entirely by ourselves. But living in the United States, there is such high value placed on independence. You know, contrast that with other societies across the world, right? Think of the Eastern countries. Yes. Everybody has roles to play and, and things, pieces of the puzzle to do. And, you know, what was it? Um, Many... What's that? Many, many hands make many light hands work. make light yes. work. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and it really is true. And if we can complement what one another. So I think particularly one of the, the safety features that I did have that I didn't realize it was an accommodation at the time when I was being so young and dumb <laughs> was that I being never so went, young and young. <clears throat> I, I never went clubbing alone. And I always went back with the same friend that I went with you know, my roommate. So that was a protective factor, right? There. It absolutely was. Um, you know, but there, there are other situations that, you know, I, I, I can only thank God for keeping me safe mm -hmm. from myself. I can say the same you know, thing for yeah. me. Me personally, so, thinking about my, <laughs> thinking yeah. about my adolescence and, and you, I was like, how did I yeah. survive that? Oh, Natalie. So I, I'm going to jump yeah. ahead to the end of the show and say one hope takeaway yes. is that, Please. right. And, and, and I'll come up with another one by, by the real end of the show. <laughs> but one hope takeaway is that for most, our social development catches up with our chronological development somewhere in the early to mid thirties. I love hearing that. Right. And indeed I found that to be the case. Um, that's when I, well, of course, even then my mom would question it because I, I ran off to California and, and married my husband. <laughs> that was relatively unplanned. Would I recommend online dating for other people? Yeah, probably not. But we have been married for 24 years now. So and that gives me hope right there. Yeah, because yeah. almost talking, 24 years so. talking with other adults living with an FASD who have been in long term relationships and have spouses mm -hmm. who have made accommodations, who've been mm -hmm. supportive. That gives me hope yeah. and it should give hope to parents yeah. of you know, teens and young adults. And who are parenting children of their own. Yes. And doing yes. it well. Yes. We can fulfill our dreams if we have knowledgeable and supportive people in our pocket. That is Being hope takeaway our... number two. That is hope <laughs> takeaway number two. I'm gonna count I'm gonna keep a tally of hope takeaways All with Patty right. here. Yeah. Say that one so, more time, Patty. I want people to hear that. Say that one more time. We can fulfill <laughs> our dreams. if I can come up with it again. We can fulfill our dreams if we have knowledgeable and supportive people in in our in our pocket, right? In being our yeah. external brains. Or support person, as we, yeah. we correctly yeah. say now. I know they, they changed the terminology to to support person or something like that. Yeah. External brain is what I, when I took the facets training back in mm -hmm. gosh, 2017, 2018. Yeah. It was external brain, but I know, I know support person is another way to, to say that too. Yeah, I love yeah. that. If we have those supportive people in our back pocket, which mm -hmm. now, so this is a wonderful, this is a wonderful transition, a wonderful okay. segue. I'm using, I'm using these wonderful. You like the way I set these up? Wisdom. I do. This is great. And I don't even do it on purpose. I know. <laughs> See, you're a natural. She's a natural podcast. You're, you need to go listen to living with FASD. Okay. So now let's yes. tie this into what you have done and how people can yeah. benefit from your 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 business your okay. training your consultation 
Um, let's do that. And then, then we'll talk about the podcast and then we're going to talk about your book. My business. Um, (laughs) all right. So I was working full-time as a foster care social worker for a very small, um, agency with just some absolutely wonderful staff, wonderful families, um, loving the kids on my caseload, but, Let's face it, I'm almost 60, and that really is a younger person's job because uh, it's so demanding in terms of availability. Um, and in April of last year, right, uh, so almost a year and a half ago, I had been laid off because there were two English-only speaking social workers and the caseload fell. So one of us had to go and I was the last one in. So of course I was the first one out and that's okay. And I thought, what on earth am I going to do? And I had always fantasized about having a training company. Um, You know, in the past four years of my previous job, I became a trainer and trained with foster kinship, uh, foster kinship care education, and was doing those trainings, at least one training every semester, and loving it. I found my passion for training near the sunset of my career. And so I had this fantasy that I would become a full-time trainer, or, or, or at least part-time enough that once my husband retired, we could live full-time in the RV and travel somewhere. I could do workshops, earn enough money from them to fill up the fuel tanks and go on to the next place. <laughs> that was that was my idea. And I thought, okay, I'm not prepared to do that just yet, but I've got to give it a go. And so, and I'm, you know, I... My business really is part professional development training um, because anyone social worker, anyone therapist, anyone trainer can only reach so many people, right? The training I had been doing as part of FKCE only reached, you know, the, the dozen or so foster parents that would sign up for that particular training in, in my one county. That's a very limited scope. I want a bigger, I want a bigger reach than that. <clears throat> um, but because the training opportunities were a lot more limited than I had hoped, <laughs> um, I decided, well, I'm going to give coaching a shot. You know, I can do the work because I've been doing it as a post-adoption support social worker for, you know, years. I got this. I can do it. I put myself through a number of different coaching programs and, you know, learn how to build your business and all that jazz. Um, And I ended up, I put together a coaching, a four month coaching package that is largely the facets neurobehavioral model, but it also includes other things that from my quarter century in child welfare has taught me is critically important 
and really helping families to thrive. And that's doing a little bit of a deeper dive into trauma, a deeper, a much deeper dive into attachment and, um, and attach, you know, doing a little bit of an attach adult attachment interview with folks, um, helping people really look at the intergenerational patterns that they've grown up with. So there's those pieces. And then I was really building up an event in my one coaching training school, really building up an event bright uh, thing that I had coming up. And I had a woman say, I need to work with you because I'm now listening to you. I realize my son may have FASD. It's like, okay. And then we talked a little bit and she's like, the more I'm learning, the more I realize I have it too. And so I created another approach, which is working with FASD and neurodiverse adults who maybe have a diagnosis of some sort, no matter what it is, right? but have never methodically explored or done an inventory of what their challenges are in terms of the brain tasks that underlie behavior, Mm -hmm. Um, never inventoried their strengths and figured out how to use your strengths to come up with workarounds to make life go smoother. Um, So that is such a resource. That is such a resource for yeah. not only the FASD community, but for the neurodiverse community. Mm-hmm. That is such a resource that yeah. I am so thankful you are doing because so many of, of us, you know, when we're on this journey and we're doing it for their our kids, when, when we're, we're learning the training, when we're mm-hmm. learning the education, that we make these revelations like, oh my goodness, it's either myself or a loved one or a parent or a sibling yeah. or someone. Yeah. You know, and, and it's so, <clears throat> excuse me, it's so important that you can walk alongside them and yes. say, okay, let's take a deep dive into this. Let's look yeah. at this. Yeah. Let's look at that. Patty, that's and, such a resource. Yeah. And, and I, I am wildly passionate about the neurobehavioral model and all the resources that facets gives to their certified facilitators here here's the ball run with it yeah but the one thing that i find is lacking is if you only do those 18 hours or those 12 hours you know whatever whatever you're you set up to do for a particular audience there's not enough hands-on let me walk beside you as we figure this out because it's enormously intimidating to begin to figure it out and begin to implement the wonderful tools that they came up with. Mm-hmm. And so as so you're I, doing that missing piece, you're doing that yeah. missing component. Yeah. So awesome. as I worked with her, um, I really got lit up by watching the revelations on her face. Mm-hmm. Right. And helping her. Um, And I think that's where the seeds came for how can I reach more people? 
How can I reach more people? And that's where the idea for the book came. Yes. Again, wonderful segue. So we will be sharing in today's program notes, as well as in our social media posts this week, we'll be sharing Patty's website, Patty's business, everything that Patty has mentioned. And I'm going to list these in social media posts, but there's so many offerings she has through <laughs> Patricia Casper. I, it's patriciacasper.com, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that is a wonderful segue. We've talked about the Living with FASD yeah. podcast, which yeah. is available not only on Spotify, but it's also available where you find your podcasts and on YouTube as we air yeah. this. Now, let's talk about your book. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, I've always loved to write, even as a little girl, right? If my mom had to work on a Saturday, she would take me with her. And she was, in, she was uh, well, back in the day, they called them secretaries, right? And, <laughs> and I would sit at her desk at a typewriter because they didn't even have computers then. Mm-hmm. And I would write stories. I would write little mysteries. Always loved to write. But when it came to... FASD and how do I do something to reach a broad audience and really make a difference for a large number of people? I mean, a book is it, but let's face it. I had imposter syndrome because what can you possibly say beyond trying differently rather than harder? Thank you, Diane Melvin. That's considered by many to be the quote unquote Bible of FASD. Mm-hmm what am I going to say? Right. So that kept me from pursuing anything for a while. (laughs) And then in January, um, you know, I I really think this was from God. It, it popped into my head. I got the download (laughs) to use the style of one of my favorite books on trauma to educate people on FASD. So the book that popped into mind is called Conversations with a Rattlesnake, which is um, one of my favorite trauma books. And even though the person that wrote it is not on the scale of the Bruce Perry's or the Dan Siegel's or the Bessel van Kolk, right? Not on that scale. It's a Canadian therapist named Kim Barthel. And I have actually sat under her at a training and she is fantastic. But she co-wrote this book with a hockey player named Theo Fleury, who had every adverse childhood experience and then some to the point where his PTSD and his trauma was so off the hook that his violence on the hockey rink was too much even for the NHL and they got rid of him. He found her, they worked together for years and became friends and decided to put this gem of a book together. And the entire book, it's probably an inch and a half thick. I read it in less than 48 hours because I could not put it down. It read like a script. And let's get real. Who doesn't like to eavesdrop at the conversation for the booth next to them in a restaurant if it's juicy? Which is why I love your book. I'm so honored that I was able to, I've been able to pre-read it, you know, pre-read it pre-launch because 
you open with your story, which is yeah. very important and very impactful. Thank you. And then you allow others, mm-hmm. you allow them to share their story. And while you're, mm-hmm. what I love, one of the many things I love about your book is while your conversation, the guests of your conversations are sharing their stories, you're really engaged with them and you are supporting them. You're validating them. You, mm-hmm. you are, you can see the kind supportive um, feedback that, that they need while they're sharing these yeah. very vulnerable yeah. parts of their lives. Yeah. Hence candid conversations in the title, Sip. both of the book and the podcast. <laughs> um. So you can you can borrow that for this episode, candid conversation. Hashtag <laughs> because, candid conversations. Yeah. So um I found my experience reading conversations with a rattlesnake. My experience was that I could not stop turning the pages because I wanted to keep learning and right. Even though I had worked for years in the field of trauma, there was nothing that they wrote that I hadn't already learned in my professional development but it was riveting and so the idea dropped in my head and and that whole book is a is a series of conversations between two people so my little sidestep on that is every chapter of sip by sip is a candid conversation with a different adult yes so it's a total of 10 stories, starting with mine. And then there are eight chapters that are conversations with someone else. Um, the last of those is a conversation with a married couple, both of whom are on the spectrum, self-identified. There are several people who, you know, well, uh, let me say this, out of out of the 10 people, six of us learned as adults that were on the spectrum. Two of us knew prior, right? And that was purposeful for me to include them for a couple reasons. So one was CJ Lutke, who um, CJ and and the other is Emily Hargrove. So Mm -hmm. Emily was diagnosed as a, as a one-year-old but she never knew about her diagnosis until she was a teenager. And so that that discovery process was very similar to those of us who figured it out as, a, as an adult. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I wanted to include um, both CJ and Emily um, because I had heard them both on an episode of Robbie's about the 428 comorbid conditions. Yes. And we have had them on FASD Hope. They are the ALC, part of the ALC Changemakers Leadership. And they have done, they are, I think that they are so important. It's so important to hear their stories, even if you've heard them before. Because of, first of all, of the work that they've learned about the 428 Mm -hmm. comorbid medical conditions, but also to show how they are changing their their the world again they're changing the world <laughs> yeah and their voices are so yeah. important i'm yeah. so thankful that you included them both in your book i Maddie. if my idea is to educate people on fasd 
there is absolutely no way that I can exclude the information that I heard on that episode with CJ Miles and Emily. It was just, it's that important. But it is important also to have voices of people who have known for a long time because there is something all of us can learn from adults who have known for a very long time, as well as from adults, you know, like me, who haven't known all that long. And everyone that I included in the book has either been referred to me or I've heard them on a podcast. So, and it's kind of funny because when I first started working with some of the ladies um, who are included in my book, they were not part of the ALC at the time, but they are now. So it, it's just tremendously um, exciting, the work that all of them are doing. And I'm so honored to um, be shoulder to shoulder with many of them. So, so sip by sip, as we air this episode, mm-hmm. when is the publication date? So I asked my publishers, you know, we started with the end in mind, right? I asked my publishers, I want to have this available September 1st as a, as a means of ushering in International FASD Awareness Month. You know, initially I was thinking by the end of the year, because I had this idea that books take forever. Um, and then I was laying in bed one day thinking, why aren't I shooting for September? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, and the reason why these conversations feel so raw and riveting is because they are. I recorded them on Zoom. I sent the audio files to AI, artificial intelligence, and I got the transcription back in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. That saves so much work, Mm -hmm. right? Even for someone who's not you know, computer challenged or, or, or exhausted from having so many plates in life, you know, full of things like, like I do all the time. Um, and then the only editing that I did was to make it a little less conversational style, because you've probably, if not, you'll be listening to it now. I oftentimes say, right at the end of a sentence, which is just a me. It's not questioning whether I'm right or wrong. It's a way of checking in to see, Mm -hmm. is someone still engaged with me? Yes. And I was actually guesting on a a podcast about Louis body dementia, doing a a two-part piece on end of life doulas, because I've actually started through training for that too. Um, I've I've abandoned. How how many plates in the air? Well, I, I abandoned when, when I became a hospice chaplain, um, I heard about end of life doulas and it really makes sense, right? You think of a midwife or a doula is, Mm -hmm. is helping mom and baby through that transition into the world, world, but there's Mm -hmm. also end of life doulas for transitioning out of this world into the next. And I thought that is such a good fit for a chaplain. Mm -hmm. So I started an online school. But then I was only halfway through the program when one of these business training things came up, you know, a seven week challenge. And it was like, oh, put that aside. And I never went back to it because I have enough going on. Mm-hmm. And that is not my calling. 
I'm very grateful for the knowledge. I read all the textbooks that they had you order. I'm very grateful the knowledge. It makes me a better caregiver to my mom. It does make me a better chaplain to the the patients that I have at this very small hospice. Um, but I will never try and build a business around being a doula. Not my thing. And, you know, and it's okay. One of the best accommodations we can make when we have a brain-based difference is to know where we're not supposed to be. Right? I love that. Yeah. I was not supposed to be in nursing school. I was not supposed to be in nuclear medicine technology. I hate physics. (laughs) I like hospitals and all the testing and answers that people can get. Yeah, that was not my thing. (laughs) And it's okay. You move on. No knowledge is wasted. Again, no knowledge is wasted. But, and I got so sidetracked again, but that's okay. I really did. So the publication date. Yes. The publication date. September 1st. September 1st for International um, FASD Awareness Month. And so I went to the publisher and I said, okay, when do I have to have this back? I have to have everything in by August 1st in order to get a September 1st deadline. I had it in mind to send the manuscript to, um, you know, a select handful of people. You're one of them. Um, Robbie Seals is another. Sandra Flack is another. Nate Shields is, or Nate Sheets is reading it. Um, bless his heart for taking the time to do that. Um, and so, yeah, there's there, and there's some surprise reviewers. Well, no, yeah. they're not that big of a surprise. Cause I put it on Facebook last night. <laughs> but if you're listening to it and that, you didn't right? read that post, it will be a surprise. Right. So I'm, we're not going to, we're going to let you get the book. So how yeah. can people purchase your book? So um, it's going to be, I, they changed my project manager in the middle of things. The first project manager said, oh, yeah, you can have a link and do pre-release orders. And then she left the company. And the guy that took her place, he's very sweet. But he's like, no, you'll get the link the day that it hits the market. I'm like, ugh. So I don't know how I'm supposed to do pre-release orders. Not that it matters for this conversation because it will be, already will be, be out there. So what so, we will do is we will include the link in yeah. our program notes yeah. as well so, as in our social media posts. Yeah. So it will be on Amazon and it will be on Kindle and it will be on a total of 48 different platforms, including Barnes and Nobles and Target and Walmart, all of those places whether it actually lands on people's bookshelves, you know, stores bookshelves is really up to their regional distributor, whether that person decides, oh yeah, this will be a good book for our, for our shoppers. Um, So, but I can hope because that would thrill me to death to walk into a bookstore and see it and see your book. Yeah. That would, that would be an amazing thing, but Amazon's going to be the most reliable. Um, So again, we'll put the links in our program notes 
as well as in our social media posts. And then that way you can just directly go and shop. And if you're in your favorite bookstore, if you're in some place where that sells books, request it. Yeah. Request it because yeah. then not only will it be there and, you know, of course it's beneficial for Patty to get the word out, but it's beneficial yeah. for the community because again, yeah. one More in 20, will see it. Mm-hmm. one in 20, we yeah. use that statistic yeah. and that's a conservative statistic. Right. It just becoming an author has really been kind of an amazing thing. I had already had the idea of doing a podcast I had situated it in my mind. That's something I'm going to work on in the summer when the book is done. But I got so overwhelmed with the idea of having to fix what was on my plate in the moment with the book that I just sidestepped. You know, Nate Sheets says it perfectly in his in his new book that if our brains are being asked to do something that cognitively they do not have access to yes the resulting behavior is you know or bad behavior is just the brains saying i can't handle this can't i'm done do this. i can't do yeah. this and that's what happened to me so i have formed friendships with all of the people who are featured in my book and I'm just so tickled. Um, one of them is Dr. Catherine Page, who, like me, was working in the field of FASD before she realized, hello, I have it too. Um, and we hit it off. So she was actually, we had talked about co-hosting the podcast. And she was my co-host for the first three episodes before yes. she realized this is a lot more intensive. Too much. And it's too much for me. And I miss her, but I am, I'm celebrating that she recognized that it was too much. We all have to know our, our limits and respect them so that we can do the things we feel called to do and do them well. And um, so because I was over, I hit overwhelm with the book. I said, Catherine, let's launch the podcast now. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> Within like two weeks, we we had um we had recorded our session where we were introducing ourselves to everybody and invited you on to record the second session. So um yeah, so the fact that the podcast is up and running starting in June, um is really because I got overwhelmed. You know, my FASD was showing and I was overwhelmed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and running away from my book project. <laughs> so, but both of them, both the book and the podcast have similar goals, right? The the goals for me are to be educational, to be a vehicle through which people can self-identify Oh, that's why my life has been challenging in ways, you know, for for things that other people seem to be able to do much more easily than me. Um, you know, whatever the reasons are that that people have found life to be messy, with prenatal exposure to alcohol affecting one in twenty, chances are it's got something to do with that. That our struggles have biological bases, but that we don't need to be blamed and shamed you know, for our, for our challenges. 
And I think both in your podcast and in your book, one thing that you also do is that you provide support, Mm -hmm. which is huge. Mm -hmm. You provide support to your guests as as they're speaking. You provide support to your interviewees as you're recording their conversations. And that's important too, not only to be educational and to be accessible, but also to be supportive. And I think that's something you do incredibly well, Patty. Oh, thank you. I that's second nature given my career as a therapist and a social worker. And chaplain. And and <laughs> and chaplain and, and child of God. So um, we are yeah. ending this amazing conversation that was meant to be aired at the time it was meant to be aired, Divine Orchestration, yeah. with yeah. Patty Casper, who I can happily say as this episode airs, is an author of a newly released book, Sip by Sip. We'll put the links in our notes, is a podcaster living with FASD, is a business woman slash entrepreneur slash educator consultant of the uh, neurobehavioral model Mm -hmm. um, and more trauma attachment you have all of this amazing experience behind you um, that supports your business that is helping yeah. so many people. You've come such a long way since I the our original intended podcast, which was meant to be yeah. for fall of 2022. We're wrapping this up. I'm putting all of Patty's contact information everything in our again in our program notes as well as in our support our our social media um you know patty will be back on fasd hope because i just have too much fun talking with her and i'm so honored i'm so honored to have been a guest on sip by sip um we are wrapping this conversation up you know you've already inserted this this conversation is like hope infused it has just been just uh, hope infused and wisdom nugget infused. I'm, I've been writing as Patty's <laughs> been talking, I've been writing because, you know, when, when our guests say something and I want to share it on social media to really get the impact, I can tell you both my front and back page of this, of, of my questions is covered with, with just <laughs> nuggets of wisdom that Patty has shared. Oh. So Let's end this on a great big giant hope takeaway. We're airing this in September, which is FASD Awareness Month. You've been on quite the journey. What words of hope do you have for our listeners who are either beginning their journeys in the middle of, or maybe perhaps like me, taking a dramatical? (laughs) What words of hope can you share? You know, when I was was studying um, with Natalie at Facets, one of the visuals that they give us is of a uh, a pebble creating ripples in a pond. The world has a way of looking at behavior that is very compliance based. Uh, you know, I mean, people people have compliance based expectations of one another. But their view of behavior is that it is intentional. It is choice, right? That people can change their behavior simply by changing the way they think. 
but without taking into account you know trauma history attachment history brain-based differences like we have with FASD or autism or ADHD any of those things um and the challenge is in introducing more people to the idea of neurodiversity that everybody is uniquely wired it's not just those of us who are deemed to be quote unquote different but everybody is uniquely wired and um and really being able to appreciate that in one another and support one another along life's journey. The more people we have holding those pebbles and willing, being willing to share those pebbles, to toss them into the pond, you know, the bigger those ripples are going to get. And eventually the, the, the paradigm will shift. And the world will view behavior differently. That it's not about people making, you know, it's politically, there's a saying that, you know, one side looks as people as bad and the other side looks at good people making bad, you know, doing bad things or making bad decisions. It's kind of like that. The world is full of people who are uniquely wired it's not that they're make that they're bad people right none of us are bad or we're not wrong we're not less than we're just different and so my hope takeaway i guess would be um that embracing that idea and being willing to toss your pebble in the pond empowers you to do it again and do it again and the more people that you can help make that shift, it it's kind of it it's going to multiply. I don't know if you remember the the hair product commercial back in the seventies. I want to say maybe it was Farrah Fawcett <laughs> for <laughs> for Wella shampoo thing, and they told two people, and they told oh, two people, and so right? on, and, and the so screen on. just kept multiplying, yeah. right? And so on, so, and so on. So it's like that, you know. The more people that we can um, show them that, you know, are we we think and act on ways based on on our ability to to. Um, I mean, there's just there's so many underneath any one behavior is a whole lot of different tasks that the brain has to do like that like are that, invisible like that meme that we see about the iceberg where yes. what you see on top yes there's 90 percent more in the bottom yeah that's perfect that's beautiful so the more people that we can can have you know step out and view one another with that iceberg in and mind what's underneath the more tolerant of one another we will become, the more compassionate of one and you know toward one another we will become, and toward ourselves. Yes. You know, yes. growing up with a neurodiversity, there's so much judgment, right? Why can't you do this? Why did you do it like that? And we grow up internalizing it, right? That's why we adopt that mask. That's why we try to hide our differences so much. 
um, you know, and, and we just, we just need to collectively stand up and say no more. And that is the perfect hope takeaway to end our episode, which is airing in September, which is international FASD awareness month. Patty Casper, who wears many hats very well. And I'm honored to say my friend in advocacy, it has been privilege and a blessing to have this conversation with you. Thank you for being on FASD Hope. But you are such a wonderful cheerleader. The the gratitude goes both ways. I love you, my friend. I love you too. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by liking and following FASD Hope anywhere you find your podcasts. Remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.